Hey, this is John Lim, and returning this week, I have a very special guest, Sensei William Christopher Ford. He's an actor, he's a martial artist, he's a content creator, producer, author, and today I'm super excited because on episode 313, we're going to talk about The Karate Kid Part 3. How are you today? John, I am doing great, and thanks for having me back. No. I guess I didn't, I didn't make you angry enough. To- <laughs> no, no, you, you, I think that was such an inspiring episode, especially the the inspirational thought you had about your teaching, and I absolutely loved it, and I know our listeners did. But I want to start off by sharing a story with you, if I may. So yes, I was in, I think I was in the last year of junior high school. And do you remember the show Family Ties? Of course, yes. With Michael J. Fox? Yes. I was watching. It was spring of 1989. I was watching the series finale, the very last uh, episode of the show. And it was during the midway break that all of a sudden I saw the Columbia Pictures logo. I heard the the you know, the kind of the bombastic music, the, the mm-hmm. larger-than-life score. And I saw... Uh, you know, I saw your friend Sean Kanan pop up and say, I need your title and flash over to Ralph Macchio's Daniel LaRusso. And I, my jaw dropped because it was the first teaser for the Karate Kid part three. It was a mm. short one and it just showed quick flashes. And this was a time long before social media, long before the internet. I had no idea that another Karate Kid movie was coming out because the last one, Karate Kid Part 2, was in 1986. And as you can probably tell, I I was a huge fan. I binged watched the first two movies over and over, you know, on TV, you know, on VHS. So Mm -hmm. I was was so psyched uh, that Karate Kid 3 was coming out. And I I remember Mm -hmm. that summer just... On pins and needles, I, I I tried to find whatever I could in newspapers or articles or whatever. And I think there was a premiere magazine where they had like the remember summer 1989 was a big summer. There were a lot of movies coming out. There was a lot of sequels. And yeah. I just remember having pinned on my calendar. I think it was what Friday, June 27th. And and I begged my parents to go and we went opening night and and we just had a blast. And I actually caught the movie several times in the theaters. So I, I wanted to say that was actually, you know, my first memory of The Karate Kid 3. And something I, I wanted to ask you about because you actually stu- stood out to me because... You you portrayed this character Dennis, who was kind of the strong, silent type. You, you know, you were kind of the you know one of the guard standing next to uh, Mike Barnes, and you were also you know I think I think Terry Silver says you know uh, Dennis will take care of your training, uh, but you were credited as Christopher Paul Ford, and I yeah. wanted to ask you uh, because and the reason why that stands out is because I they're very you know. Of the Karate Kid franchise, there are, there are few actors with the three names. You know, they're accredited with the three names. I mean, you're one of them, Christopher Paul Ford. I think uh, mm-hmm. uh, was it Noriyuki, Pat Morita, and, yeah, and, yeah. and Thomas and Ian Tom- Thomas Ian Griffith. I mean, so you're memorable. You know, not only for your character, but but by, by the virtue of the fact that you're one of the few stars of that franchise with the three names. But I I wanted to ask, and I know you've been asked this before, but I love it if you share with our listeners. Uh, Christopher Paul Ford, was that a, a stage name? Was that a Screen Actors Guild name? Or was that your name uh, back then? I would love to know the story behind that. 
There, um, well, first of all, that was a, a huge summer. I think Batman and Star yep. Trek V. I was just going through flashback memories of 1989 and just seeing you <laughs> on the big screen. So, okay. uh, yeah. Well, um, John, you know, I was born Christopher Paul Ford, and um, my mom says that, you know, um, she, you know, just as an aside, you know, I was, uh, I'm an only child, but my mother had five miscarriages before me. Mm. So I was sort of the, you know, the only one that survived, you know, the, the, the whole birth process. So my mom had a very difficult labor with me, and I think she was in labor for something like 72 hours or something like that, if, if I think memory serves. So she wakes up and she says, she looks at the name and she's like, oh, you know, she's thinking it's going to be something easy like Joe or something like that. Or, and then it's like, Christopher. And she like counting the letters and she thought, why did, why did my dad name me such a hard name? You know, because she's from Japan. So she's like, you know, so my mom just called me Kuris. Hey, Kuris. You know, mm. Kuris. So that's what she would, uh, that's how she calls my name. Um, my dad, on the other hand, said that my mom and her friend named me Christopher because he wanted to call me Bill or William. William. So mm. there are these two const- conflicting stories that never got resolved. I mean, my father's passed away 15 years now. And mm. to this day, my mother, you know, I'm like going, well, what's the truth? Right. So um, I took Christopher Paul, name, Christopher Paul Ford as my uh, stage name um, because, well, it was my legal name. I wanted to just be Christopher Ford, but apparently – there, that name was already taken, and according to Screen Actor Guild rules, no two actors can have right. the same name, I believe. Yeah, so, no, I think you're correct about that, yeah. So I, I thought, well, it's a bit long and cumbersome, but okay, and I'll take it. Um, like it was either that or Jake Blood or something like that. So <laughs> I, uh, I, that was my name. And then, you know, years later, um, around 2006 or so, I really just felt a strong inclination something drew me to being i wanted to change my name to william it's Mm. like well you know what my father and i were not close in many ways we didn't get along but i've always admired him for being you know he was a straight up honest hard-working dude um and i like the name william because it just was like i thought it was a cool name it's sort of got a you know a classic it's a classic name and um it means determined protector and I thought that's pretty cool. I think. Yeah, that I is very I cool. That. I mean, and it aligns so well with your teaching mission. So that is a great story. I really appreciate you sharing that because I actually remember I had actually, you know, I think I went down the the Karate Kid rabbit hole. Uh, you know, just looking up. This was even before Cobra Kai, just a couple of years ago. I was on mm-hmm. YouTube, and I think I had uh, stumbled on a sparring video that you did. Um, with uh, Daryl Vidal. I think it was for a charity event. And and I noticed that your name was now William Christopher Ford. So I, I was always curious about that. And I appreciate you sharing that story. But a couple of things that you mentioned on our last talk, and I'm excited to jump right in. So you talked a little bit about, you know, at a young age, when you went to see uh, Game of Death, and you know, you were talking about getting into acting a little bit later. So t- tell us a little bit about that. Like, you know, I... As you're studying martial arts, when did the acting bug kind of bite? Um, there were two events that happened. Um, 
the game of death was one, and then after that, Enter the Dragon, where I was just so mesmerized by Bruce Lee, not only as a martial artist, but just his screen presence. Yeah. Um, and the first movie I saw in a theater, I my my buddy, my childhood buddy Brian Johnson, said, "Hey, we're going to go see Star Wars." Now mm. this is before they had episodes, and you know this was just Star Wars. Yes. 1977 in the theater and that was the other influence where i went to see that movie and um like everybody else was just blown away <laughs> and my favorite character was actually han solo and the millennium falcon yeah. and I, I like and they're, they're they're part and parcel aren't they like the yeah. falcon really is its own character it is it is i love the falcon i i even have this little toy falcon that i carry around with me just in my pocket oh that's, that's awesome just you know it, it reminds me of uh you know, the fire, you know, just like, Hey, yeah. this is, you know, and this is, this is my ship and it's going to take me to my, my destiny. But, um, just loved Harrison Ford as Han Solo and later on Indiana Jones and also Rick Deckard in the Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. um, That's right. And I was like, okay, you know what? I, I want to do action films. I want to, I want to do martial arts and action films. And that was something that kind of burned within me. In high school, I was cast in a play called The Pink Panther Strikes Again. I played Cato, you know, the uh, foil of um, oh, yeah? Inspector And a, bit, a little bit of typecasting because of my karate background. Right. Um, once I got into college, I started taking acting classes and really found it to be fascinating because here you are drawing upon yourself but playing a different character and – by doing that, you can be very present in the moment, by, but you're channeling something that is through another quote-unquote character, right? So it's just an interesting process, and it's very um, almost zen-like. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I just knew I had had the bug, and I was hooked. So I went to the local bookstore, picked up a book on the business of acting, because I didn't know, well, what do you do? what do you do when you want to become a professional? And so I, I learned about, Oh, you got to get a headshot. You got to get your picture taken, you know, and then you got to get them printed out and they were black and white back then. And then you had to have a bunch of them. And now you go and find a list of agents and go send them out to agents and send them a letter and, you know, tell them, you know, see if they'll take you on as a client. So there was that process. Um, and there was a, a casting newspaper at the time called the Drama Log. Um, they would put in. It, it eventually became Backstage West, and um, they would put in casting notices every week. So you'd look and see what was right for you, and then you'd go to your stack of Manila envelopes and <laughs> yeah. headshots. Yes, mail them. It got to be a very expensive process. Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, and one thing that I think is really interesting, and I want to share with our listeners you know, having been an actor a long time ago, just for a short period of time, that it is a business. And I think it, it it's very, very, I, I, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that, that there, it is a business. There's a lot that goes into that process. And I, I'm so glad that you're sharing that. Um, so I got to ask, uh, were you a fan of the Karate Kid when that, that the first one came out, what, 84, the second one in, in 86? And, and I would imagine at that time you were studying martial arts. Uh, were you a fan of the first two films? You know, I was teaching karate, uh, you know, at my uh, sensei's dojo at the time, working with a lot of kids. And then, like, the families would come in and say, oh, sensei, you have 
got to go see The Karate Kid. Uh, it is you know, such a great film. I had heard about this Karate Kid filming prior, you know, when when I was competing. Um, um, Daryl Vidal had mentioned, you know, he and I used to compete against each other. And he says, hey, I got um, I got a part in a movie called The Karate Kid. And I said, really? That's great. And so I didn't know very much more about it. Um, I didn't know that it was going to be the thing that it became. I don't think anyone did at the time. So the, um, you know, the families would say, oh, you know what? And if you want to go, we'll, we'll take you and your mom. And so I was like, okay, sure, let's go. And I was kind of skeptical. Like, what is this? You know, this, <laughs> you know, these guys don't know karate, you know, and um, I got sucked into it, uh, you know, really early on into the movie. And I have to say a lot of it had to do with, Mr. Morita's performance is sure. Morita. But you know what? Everybody's been bullied or knows somebody who's been bullied. And you know, I I I got I got drawn into it and I rooted for the character. You know, I mean and then I think with um I didn't become a huge, huge fan, um, but I definitely respect that movie and I think it's still the best of best the best around, you know? Yes, yes. Um, I did go to see Karate Kid 2, and um, I enjoyed the visuals of that one actually better than the first one. Um, I, I didn't enjoy it as much in terms of, you know, I think the simplicity of the story, mm-hmm. but I still had a lot of fun with it. And I later became friends with Yuji. Um, this was um, right after Karate Kid 3 had been completed. Um, there was a gentleman named Sensei Moletsky, Sam Moletsky, who was one of Sensei Demura's affiliates up in Canada. Okay. And, he invited Sensei to come up to be a guest at the tournament. He also invited Yuji. And then uh, supposedly, I think it was either Sean or Billy Zapka were also invited. But for some reason, it didn't happen. And I was invited to go along. Sensei Demura invited me and I got to go. So I got to hung, hang out with Yuji Okamoto on the plane. We shared a room, a hotel room together. Um, found him to be really terrific, really great sense of humor. We shared a lot of good laughs. And... We keep in touch to this day. Oh, that's um, great. And, um, but, you know, Karate Kid 3, oh, you know, and I met, I met Tamlin um, at a tournament after that movie. Um, she's a very, very wonderful person as well. And um, so I have a lot of good memories of Karate Kid 2 just because I got to meet some of the people who were involved with that. And that's well. something that's really interesting is that you were already connected to a lot of the individuals like Daryl Vidal. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and you mentioned in, on our last conversation that um, Sensei Fumio Demura. So I, I think you had mentioned that you went to see a karate demonstration that uh, he was involved in. So how, how did you get to know him? Well, here's how this cycle plays out, right? So I go to the theme park, I see him perform karate. Later on, after I actually start taking karate with Sensei Rabago, I'm reading magazine articles about him and buying books. I hear that he throws a tournament every year. My mom takes me. I go compete in this tournament. I do not win, but I bring my books up to him afterwards being somewhat intimidated, not knowing how he's going to be. He's just wonderful. He signs the books and magazines. And, of course, my mom is standing by me, and she says, Sensei, um how can my son get better? He doesn't practice. And you know, he's <laughs> totally mortifying me in front of this man. And since it was just like, well, you know, work on your stances, you know, build your legs up, you know, drop your base, things like that. He was very kind. 
But I was just like, Ma, how could you do that? Right. So um, it's years later, you know, um, so, you know, we kind of develop a friendship, right, because of that. And years later, as I, you know, I went down to this open call that Sean Kanan was at where, you know, 1500 hopefuls were in line. John Avilton, the director, actually does stop with his cameraman, talks to me, says I look a little old for the part. I give him a headshot. So, anyway. which part? Uh, so, th- we're talking about the Karate Kid three audition. So, were you initially auditioning for Mike Barnes? I auditioned for Mike Barnes. Um, he, he he looked at me. He says, "You look a little old for the part." He asked me how old I was. I said, "I'm 22." He says, ah, "I'm not quite sure you you're you know you look young enough to play someone who's just barely out of high school." I said, "Okay, no problem. I give you my headshot." Oh, absolutely. Well, he actually kept my headshot. I got a call from Carol Jones, the uh, casting director. Casting director. Yes, yeah, sorry. And she wants me to read for the part of Mike Barnes. So I go in and I probably give the worst audition in the history of auditions. I didn't have very much acting experience, so I'm quite sure it was totally overacted and I didn't hit the proper points. And that was that. And so the day before they're supposedly supposed to start production, because I'm reading the trade papers every day, I get a call from Carol and she says, well, you know, the, your part has been cast. I mean, the part of Mike Barnes, but we've kind of found that he needs some henchmen. Ah. <laughs> and so I go down to Columbia Studios the next day. I, I meet Ralph. I think this is really surreal. Um, Pat Johnson is the stunt coordinator. Right. And, and he also played the referee in the tournament, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. Correct. And he also played in Enter the Dragon. He's that's the, right. The, that's right. He was the... Uh, he, it's what, the dough, Roper. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. The, where we got to break something. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, Pat's asking me a little bit about, you know, who, who do I know in the martial arts? And I, and I said, well, you know, I'm friends with Joe Lacamura, you know, and, and he goes, oh, okay. And so he says, well, it's up to John. When John comes in, you know, he'll, he'll give the final okay. Sensei Demura is there, and he goes, "Hey, what are you doing here?" And, and for said, our oh. listeners, Sensei Demura is—he uh, did uh, a lot of the martial arts uh, uh, choreography as well as wasn't he also Pat Morita's stunt double for a yeah. lot of the scenes? All the karate scenes, most of them, ninety-nine percent of them are done by Sensei Demura in a uh, bald cap, and um, you know, he—he he was the man that he was. They and wanted. in fact, isn't there? A, I think there's a documentary. I might, might be on Netflix, like the real Mr. Miyagi, and it's all about uh, Sensei Demura. I think I saw it a couple of years ago. The, Mr. Miyagi, the character, is based on two things. Um, there was actually a real uh, man named Miyagi in Okinawa who mm-hmm. formed a style called Goju-ryu Karate, Choju Miyagi, and the writer Robert Mark Kamen is a black belt in Gojuju Karate. So that's where the name came from. The character, the kindness, the nobility, the calmness, the the essence of what a true karate master is, Pat Morita took that and based it on Fumio Demura. Wow. So the Miyagi character is really three. It's Pat Morita, it's Fumio Demura, and it's Chojin Miyagi. And those three elements is how you get the the screen persona of Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> yeah, no, that is fantastic. I, I love that. So I wanted to ask you, while you were filming Karate Kid 3, so you get this part of Dennis, uh, I wanted to ask you a couple questions. So basically, as an, you know, when you got this part, 
did you create any backstory for Dennis? I mean, did you, I know some actors, they, they really, they'll read the script and then they'll create a whole backstory. Did you do any of that for Dennis? Well, you know, they said, Hey, these guys don't have names. So, um, Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah Jonathan Appleton. We were kind of just basically, you know, like thug number one, thug number two, yeah. number, one, number two. And so they asked us one day on set, this is prior, you know, we were still in rehearsal and Jonathan, who was the director's son says, um, I'm going to be snake. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, Hmm. So, uh, I'm going to be more normal. And the only thing that I could think of, I was a little, uh, I, I felt like I was pressured. Like I didn't have enough time. I was in the, the Del Taco drive through and it was like, there was cars behind me. So I said, um, and I thought of dead. The first thing that happened, well, Dennis, the menace, cause you know, <laughs> you know, Dennis, you know menace, he, he's kind of a menace. So I said, uh, Dennis, but it works because it is such a sharp contrast from someone named Snake, right? I, if you had gone with, say, someone named Python or something like that, you know, it, it, yeah. the two characters would almost blend. But I think the fact that you went with such a normal name makes that character all the more memorable. Well, you know, John, I think that had I gone with something like Python, um, it would have done one of two things. It would have either pushed this movie so far over the top that it would have... <laughs> overcome the other parts of the movie that are so over the top and campy <laughs> or it would have gone the other direction where it would have just said okay this is just the the one thing that pushed it over the wall and just like you know made it tumble down you know i mean is yeah. so i just said you know what dennis and you know what it is what it is um there's I, as far as other backstory goes um i just figured okay he's a trainer so you know, maybe he was, um, you know, I, I, another talented person that like Mike Barnes was kind of scouted, but this time by Terry Silver saw him, you know, either at a tournament or something and said, Hey, I like your style. You know, why don't you come train with me and you'd be my trainer, you know, I'll set you up, man. And all this. And that's just kind of the, the superficial background I came up with. I read years later in a fan blog that Snake and Dennis were the sons of Terry Silver. Yeah, I've, was, I've seen that theory, but I, to me, I, I don't know. I mean, I've watched The Karate Kid 3 enough times that I don't know that there's any really anything that really points to that as as a valid theory. Well, yeah, um, I think it's a, a fan theory. That was never discussed with us because that, would, might, that might make me Tori's brother. Yeah, hmm. assuming that Tori, as in Tori, Tori Nichols from Cobra Kai, is that's the other what that's the popular theory today that she's somehow related to Terry Silver. Yeah, so who knows? You know, who, who but, knows? No, but but I I, I love the story. But I, I wanted to ask you, what was the physical regimen like? Did you train with Pat Johnson? I mean, obviously you're coming into this with extensive martial arts experience. But what was the training like while you were uh, filming uh, Karate Kid Three? Um, they used me, I was in good shape at the time and they used me as sort of a utility guy. So while Robert Mark Kamen and Pat Johnson were hashing out the fights, they were basically choreographing it there. They would have me play one role and then play the other role. So I would alternate, alternately play Daniel and Mike as they would put together the fight scene. Oh, okay. Like, Interesting. Okay, now you'd be Mike. And then Robert Mark Heyman would be doing some moves. And then Pat Johnson would jump in as Daniel. And then he'd look at the moves. So then they say, okay, now, now do Daniel's role. And they'd flip it. Because they wanted to be able to see, they, they each wanted to be able to step out and watch the fight as it was progressing, you know, without having to actually be in it themselves. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? 
And I don't know if they taped it or not. I, I, I would have no, thought that'd be they, great if they did. I mean, that would be uh, if man, they have that uh, if they have that somewhere in the archives or or whatever. You know, it's funny because Karate Kid Three is one of the, you know, and I think two as well. But you know, there there there's not a whole lot out there in terms of deleted scenes, and I'm hoping that one day we'll we'll be treated to that because there's a lot of stuff from the first movie. But I imagine yeah. there must be from the third movie a lot of stuff that was left out. Did you do your own stunts uh, for for your action scenes in that film? I did all my own stunts except for one. Um, there was a scene where we're going, uh, we, we, we go into the bonsai shop and Mr. Miyagi comes in and rescues Daniel because, you know, Daniel's getting pelted by Mark, Mike Barnes. Yes. Uh, Snake takes it in the crotch with a, you know, with a macaroni. Oh, and that's cheese, right. <laughs> you know. um, what happens in the movie is that Mr. Miyagi comes through the doors and then Mike gets, thrown and then we jump into the car we do some um um what are those things called again i'm drawing a blank where you go in a circle with a car um, oh 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 yeah yeah uh donuts donuts. yeah and then we go past the train now um i was supposed to have a little fight with miyagi um i throw a punch at him he blocks it it was actually pat marita who did this he pushes my arm down i go flipping over like and land on my back right on the floor and I did that stunt. And for some reason, they cut that segment out. I don't oh, know. Because it, it looks like there's something missing. I, I've always felt that when, when I see it. I, you see the punch and you see Miyagi blocking it, but then it does a quick cut. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so I always felt like that there must have been some more footage in there. I, I, my guess is somehow it didn't sell. It just didn't somehow didn't work. So John cut it out. But yeah, um, I, I have a blurry photograph that I can show you where it shows me punching Miyagi and it's actually Pat and um, it was a still frame or, or something. I think um, it might've been um, the still photographer, Ralph Nelson, who had given me that photo, but I still have that. I'll share it with you later oh, on. Oh yeah. No, that'd be great. I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to take a look at it. So I wanted to ask you, uh, William, do you have any fun stories that you can share? Um, you know, what was it like? So you, you got to work with and meet Pat Morita and uh, I wanted to ask, you know, the late, great Pat Morita, what, what was that like for you? Well, um, yeah, that was actually pretty fun. Um, real briefly, getting back to that stunt, you know, when the train goes past us in the car? Yes. That's that's not me when the train, when we actually go past the train, because that was a, a real train that would go by every Yeah, hour. because there's no CGI back then. So that, that's, well, they just said, that's hey, a train. Hey, we've got some extra production value here. Let's use the train, you know. Yeah. But that's me in the car doing the donuts. And then it cuts right before we hit and then you know i forget exactly how it goes but when the the thing the car actually passes the tracks they had somebody else in there with in there. so i just wanted to make sure that you know the the listeners got the answer to that question no that's oh. that's fantastic i mean and i i didn't know that as well so that's that's an awesome story well pat marita was very kind to me he was very nice um i was you know sean canaan and i were you know, really the new kids, you know, and, and Sean had had more experience than me in acting, but you know, this was my first film, really big film. And, um, I was very, very much golly, 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 you know, everything is, you, you know, I was just so, um, wide eyed and bushy tailed. Um, and he was very nice. He, um, you know, Pat had his demons, but he never showed up to work with them. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there were times where he seemed like he was a little bit more cranky than normal, but I never saw him um, abuse anybody verbally. I never saw him go off on anybody. I never saw him act entitled. 
he was kind to everybody. I was allowed to bring people on the sets and he was, he took the time to take pictures with all of them. He always had a kind word. He signed autographs. So, um, and, and there were times when he was just goofing, you know, he would, um, like he was sweeping up one time and he took the broom and pretended it was a guitar and you know, <laughs> he, he would do that thing where he crosses his eyes and he'd stick his tongue out, you know, that, that goofy look that he does. It reminds me of Arnold from happy days. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, now there was one time when I first introduced him to my mom, you know, and, and Pat spoke a little Japanese. Um, my mom is from Japan, so that's her first language. You know, Pat spoke Japanese pretty conversationally. Um, and he's, you know, he meets my mom and he says to her, he looks at me, he looks at her, and then he points, he takes his, his index finger and he points it to his own head. And he says, Mada wa kite. And he, basically what he said is, he's still young. You know, like mm. what he's to my mom is, he's still young in his mind. But, and I look at him and my mouth just drops and I'm like, I can't believe you just threw me under the bus in front of my mom, Mr. Miyagi. You know, I was like kind of crushed, like, what? I'm not young-minded, you know, of course, which is a young-minded thing to think, right? But then he says, but he's a good kid. He's a good boy. So um, I, <laughs> I was like, damn, I just got, I just oh, got that's so lectured, hilarious, though. I love lectured, lectured to my mom. I lectured to my mom about being young-minded, you know, which my mom already knows, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> That's great, though. I mean, it's such a great story to share, and I love hearing about that. So I, I, I do want to ask, so you shared on the last episode uh, that, you know, you, you know, you went to see uh, Game of Death on the big screen, and you were, you were pretty mesmerized, and then later you talked about Enter the Dragon. What was it like seeing yourself on the big screen uh, with, with a big franchise film like Karate Kid 3? We had been invited to a cast and crew screening prior to its release. And I was really happy that my character had been given a name. It wasn't just, you know, henchman number one. So that was cool. I just was not, it was silly at the time, but I was just hoping because I was just starting out as an actor and I was hoping that I'd have a, a name, a, a name card in the beginning of the film and the opening credits. I wasn't sure. So I, I went there with my buddy, Rich, and he was the guy that had called me that morning on the open call, got me out of bed and, you know, dragged me down to the audition. So he, I, I got to take a guest with me. And so I brought him with me. And so, you know, the opening credits start and, you know, they've got the scene from the original Karate Kid where Mr. Miyagi comes into Kreese's dojo yes. and, you know, the Cobra Kai are all star staring them down. And then it says, I think after Randy Heller's name, it says Christopher Paul Ford. Yes. And I turned to my friend and I gave him a fist bump. And yeah. I was like, yes. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes. And I was like so happy. And seeing myself on the screen was just like, I can't believe that this is happening. This, this, we did this. Wow. Um, so thrilling, you know, exciting, surreal. Yeah. You know, just just like you seeing yourself in that Sulu episode of, you know, New Voyages. That's yeah. 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 No, um, I mean, it it I I I'm just kind of soaking the story in. I love hearing every minute of it. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about a fantastic short film that I think you released last year. 
And while we talked a little bit about backstory, you did a forward story for the character <laughs> Dennis. Uh, Shoji screens don't hit back. I have it. I'll have it linked in the write up. It's fantastic. I encourage all of my listeners to check it out. Tell me, what was the story behind you revisiting this character and coming up with the short film? Well, I wanted to kind of create an alternate reality, non-canon version of what I think happened to Dennis because I was thinking about it and. Okay, in the Karate Kid universe, you know, Daniel gets beat up a lot. Um, you know, he wins in the tournaments, but, you know, he, he takes his lickings, right? Yeah. Um, at the end, he emerges triumphant. Um, but I'm one of the few characters that gets beat up by Daniel in real life and not a tournament. You know? Well, that's, and, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that well, is true. Well, although although he he did get a he did get a good shot in at, at Chosen in part two, didn't he? Yes, uh, at yes. the at the well, at the dance club. Yeah, he did. Um so but you know, just the way I was taken out and, and my joke is is that I am the Boba Fett of the Karate Kid universe. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. I remember in Empire Strikes Back, I was like, Man, that's the dude. And then in uh, Return of the Jedi, you're going that's it. You know? <laughs> he, he hits a wall and falls into the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> now, now, finally, maybe thirty uh, some years later, we're going to get you know what we finally want with Mandalorian yes, season two. Yes. You know, so you know this was okay. You know what? I'm going to you know figure out what happened to Dennis. So what happened was I thought, well, he's probably really never got over the fact that this dude beat him up. He didn't get one lick in. Throw him into the shelving. He's supposed to be this trainer of yes. Mike Barnes. And probably what happened after Mike lost was Terry said, in my mind, dude, you're fired. Just get out of here. You're the reason why, you know, you know, we're, we're just getting rid of the old team, you know, because, this, you know, you suck. And, you know, maybe he, he tried to go back to his old sensei, but, you know, he had already burned that bridge. So... You know, he spent a lot of years just kind of, well, working odd jobs, trying to get it together, kind of likes to drink the sake, you know, and it just keeps replaying back in his mind. It's like, it's like, you know, like when you break up with somebody and you just can never get over it yeah. for like yeah. years and years and you keep replaying it in your mind and you just can't seem to get over it. Yes. So, and I know the character of Johnny, you know, went through something like that, you know, with Cobra Kai, but I just wanted to take, you know, do a little bit of a different take on it where it's like, well, you know what? He's still a really good martial artist, and he's just trying to get over this this demon that haunts him with um, Daniel LaRusso. And, and that's what I actually love about it because, you know, the title sounds a little cheeky, right? Shoji screens don't hit back because, you know, that's yeah. a callback to the part three. But what you don't expect or what takes you by surprise pleasantly is just how deep and and really thoughtful the piece is. I, I thought it was a really thoughtful piece. And to me... You know, there's no reason why I, at least for me, I, there's no reason why I wouldn't consider this canon or quasi-canon, whatever you want to say, because it's it seems to fit so organically. So I I, I want to ask you, what are your have you watched the series Cobra Kai? I've I've watched many of the episodes. I I love what they're doing with it. I think that they've done a wonderful job with dimensionalizing the characters yes. and creating wonderful. You know, non-cartoony, you know, back backstories, you know, you, you humanize Johnny, you know, I mean, it's like, yes. you know, that's okay. He's a real person. 
and there was a reason why he acted that way. You know, there's something lacking, just like with most bullies, there's something really lacking. A lot of times they are abused themselves, they're bullied themselves. They're, they're looking to feel good about themselves. And now here he is, you know, 30 years later, and he's in this position now where he's the teacher, you know, and he still can't get out of his own way in some ways, but he's trying. And I love the fact that, well, you know what, Daniel, he's kind of a sleazy salesman at times. You know, there's this interesting, you know, it's, it, they've become three-dimensional characters. It's not just good or bad or black or white. It's like, well, they're humans. Yeah. So, but I have said before that my favorite um, episode is the episode where all the old copers come back. Oh, they, that is so great. And, and I'm yeah. hoping we'll see... Maybe uh, your character and Mike Barnes appear in a future episode. That would be kind of a cool reunion, too. Well, at this point in time, I can neither confirm nor deny uh, without the express authorization of the secretary. However, (laughs) anything can happen. Absolutely. uh, I think that Mike and Dennis could bring uh, an interesting aspect and especially and again i'll encourage our listeners take a look at shoji screens don't hit back because it is a really nuanced piece and i i i absolutely love that and i I love that we're going to leave it on that sort of thought cliffhanger if you will you know what the future holds but uh this was wonderful and and i I could go on about karate kid 3 and maybe one day we'll, we'll have to do that again but where can our listeners connect with you my email address is kaizendojofilms at gmail.com, and that's spelled K-A-I-Z-E-N-D-O-J-O-F-I-L-M-S, kaizendojofilms at gmail.com. On Instagram, find me at William Christopher Ford, same as Facebook. Awesome. And we'll have all of that linked in the write-up, which is at bemovingforward.com. We are talking today with Sensei William Christopher Ford. Thank you so much for joining me. Yay. Thank you so much.